thankful for Tony and uh, Sarah that sang this kickoff of the service. That was his mama. And uh, we're thankful that their family came. So Sarah would eventually come to Journey and become a part of our family. And um, it's been a joy having, I give Tony, I give, I give you a lot of trouble. Actually, I actually call him Troy half the time because we have a Troy in our church too. So it is Tony. Um, but we thank God for you. Um, I know that you came to Journey several years ago now. It's been a little bit. Um, at a place that you felt a little burnt out. And we're praying, praying by the grace of God. He's restoring you. And that you'll hear more from Tony around here. Because if you don't notice, I stand at a pulpit and preach and he doesn't. He will be all over this place. So, uh, so it's good. All right. So love you, brother. Preach it. Preach it. Thanks. Now I'm going to pick on you. Just not yet. It'll be when you least expect it. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, and we'll get there in a second. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to be reading verses 20 through 28, a mother's request. Before we get there, uh, you're so tall. Uh, Gosh, so yeah, that's the song that apparently I asked all those questions when I was a little kid, and mom likes to torture me with that every once in a while, but it is a good song, and I'm thankful that she wrote that, and also, uh, since it is, I just wanted to let you know, mother, when we church in California, and then we left there to start 180 Ministries in California, and then we moved here, and I preached at Christ Church of Hillsboro, and then we started 180 Ministries in Hillsboro. Uh, if it was not for mom, it would have been a lot harder because she was children's church and nursery and the 15-passenger van driver to the... Uh, addiction ranch up the road to pick up the people that wanted to come to church and loved on them. She was the one that went down <laughs> when one of our uh, beloved addicts, Noah, uh, we parked a, we, we got a, an RV, a big RV that we, you know, was given to us and it was trashed, but we fixed it up a little bit. We parked it in the church parking lot for, because Noah was uh, living out in a tent out in the desert and it gets kind of hot. And so we let him stay in that. Mom was the one that went down there and told him that he can't have a prostitute in the church RV on church property. You know, come on, guy. And uh, he apologized, you know. I mean, you know, didn't know. He's, he, he's not a churchgoer. <laughs> and he learned his lesson that day, you know. She gave him a little bit of motherly uh, discipline there. Uh, and then we came out here, and I'm, I'm, and I'm telling you, Mom, You did so much, you and dad, and uh, couldn't have been, it would have been a lot harder. Uh, God would have answered prayer, but he used you to do so much, and so thank you for that. Now I'm going to have to be mean to you later on to make up for this. <laughs> Matthew chapter 20 <laughs> Starting in verse 20. Let's go ahead and read this passage. Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20. It says this, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. 
She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And that's a big, that's a big question right there. She said, uh, uh, you don't know what you were asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? They said, yes, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. He's talking about suffering. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, the other disciples, they were indignant or in Jefferson County, they were ignorant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a rans- as a ransom for many. Let's pray once again. Father, I thank you for this time and opportunity to be able to preach your word again. Lord, such a heavy thing. And Father, this is a quirky and weird message, and I just pray that there will be one mother here maybe that needs to hear some encouraging words today. I thank you for this and your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone wrote a long time ago, Mother's Day is traditionally the day when children give something back to their mothers for all the spit they have produced to wash dirty faces, all the old gum they have held in their hands, all the noses they wiped, and all the bloody knees they made well with their kisses. One mom was telling the story about her four-year-old daughter, and they were walking down the sidewalk in the park, and her four-year-old, as often do, reaches down, sees something pretty in the dirt, looks like candy, reaches down, grabs it, and is getting ready to put it in her mouth, and the mom says, stop, you don't put that in your mouth, and she obviously asks why, like all four-year-olds, and, and uh, the mother said, you know, that it's been lying outside, you don't know where it's been, it's got germs, it's dirty, And her daughter looks at her and says, wow, man, how do you know all this stuff? And the mom quickly thought and said, well, all moms know this stuff. It's on the mommy test, you see. And you have to know it or they don't let you be a mommy. They walk a couple more minutes and then the light bulb in the four-year-old daughter's mind, or, you know, boom, pops on and she understands. She goes, oh, I get it. So if you don't pass the test, you get to be the daddy. What are mothers? Mothers are teachers. Mothers are disciplinarians for kids like Rick. Mothers are cleaning ladies. Mothers are gardeners and mowers of lawns. Mothers are nurses and doctors and psychologists and chauffeurs and counselors and coaches and everything else. Mothers are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, shapers of attitudes. Mothers are soft voices sometimes saying, I love you. And mothers are a link to God, a child's first impression of God's love. And mothers are obviously all these things and much, much more. So what can a mother do for her children? Today, like I said, uh, this is kind of a quirky, weird message. Um, 
I don't like preaching the standard Mother's Day message, which is usually Proverbs 31 that no one can really live up to. It's really difficult. So I was searching through, um, and, uh, and you know, I, I like finding like weird type things. And so I found this one, and I like this passage, and I'm a little off, and so I like it for a different way. And today we're taking a look at Mrs. Zebedee. Now, she's the mother of James and John, two-thirds of the inner circle of Christ. You have James, you have Peter, James, and John, who's that inner triad. You got the other disciples, but you got them, and they go get to see the cool stuff like the Mount of Transfiguration and all this other stuff, right? Well, Mrs. Zebedee, Mama Z, she's mama to James and John, two-thirds of that. And in my years of preaching and teaching and listening to other preachers and reading commentaries and thoughts and all this other stuff, a lot of times, Mrs. Zebedee gets a bad rap. We like to take a negative approach to Mother Z, focusing on why it wasn't proper for her to ask Jesus these big, this, this big question, to ask such a thing of the Lord Jesus. In fact, I was reading just last night as I was getting ready to go into bed, and I was just reading some other commentaries and whatnot, and it was just, and it focused all on the negative about how you should not be asking that. And, 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 and if you get into the, the hermeneutics and all the other stuff into it, the only other time this is in Scripture is in the book of Mark, and Mark doesn't include the mom. It's James and John that goes and asks. It doesn't mean that one of them's wrong. Mark is the gospel of the ADD. If you read, Mark just jumps from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle and all these other stories and leaves a lot of things out. And Matthew is including this, and he includes that mom was there. And so a lot of people postulate, well, maybe James and John kind of forced mom to go and ask because they had already asked and Jesus said no. So then they thought, well, if we can get mama bear in there, then God will listen to her. Or it could have been that Mama Z just decided that she wanted to as well. Or maybe they had talked about it or whatever. But for whatever reason, here we are. And it focused on the negative. But I see positives as well. And so we're going to look at the positive aspects of it. Let's take a moment to see what we can learn from Mama Z. Number one, what can a mother do for her children? Number one, what I learned from this passage, mothers can and should pray for their children to be in the kingdom of God. Mothers can pray for your children to be in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 20 and 21. And this is where we're sticking. We're stuck right here. Verse 20 and 21. Then the mothers of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with their sons and kneeling down, asked a favor. What is it you want? He asked, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. We're stopping there. There can be no other more important task of motherhood than to pray for your children to be saved. Now, there's a lot of important things in motherhood. There's a lot of things that you need to do as a mother, but the most is to pray that they find the Lord, that they be saved. Now, I know that many mothers simply pray that they will not kill their children. A lot of times that you will not attack them and go to jail. Sometimes mothers pray because of the frustration. Sometimes mothers pray simply because motherhood is not easy. There was a mother of three who was asked if she, if she had to do it all over again, would she have children? And she said, of course I would, just not the same ones, right? <laughs> no matter the ups and downs of life, 
No matter how old your children are, no matter where they are at in their life, pray that they be a part of the kingdom of God to have eternal life. And you know, when I think about it, and this is one of the reasons why I like to to take the positive on this. When you think about it, Mama Z could have asked for anything, couldn't she? She went to Jesus, she could have asked for anything. She could have asked for safety and security, that they live long and prosperous lives. She could have asked that they live in the best neighborhood of Jerusalem or Galilee, that they had the nicest house, that they had nice cars and nice stuff, and they had a great job, and they got to be able to travel. She could have asked for anything, but instead, she asked that they be a part of the kingdom of God. So one, mother should pray for your children to be in the kingdom of God. Number two, mothers can pray that their children be an active part of the kingdom of God. An active part. Not only should we pray that our children be saved, but also that they become active in the kingdom of God. She asks a pretty big question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that another time at least. She didn't just ask that they be a part of Christ's entourage, they already were. She asks that they be given an even more active part in the kingdom. Now that, that could be improper. At times, I don't know. And I'll get to why I don't think it is in a second. But the issue is, and the reason I'm bringing this up, is because churches are filled to the brim with Christians who are content to simply check the box off of church attendance. That's what we do. Pastor Rick's been preaching on it forever and a day about not just being the box checker. Check that box. Check that box. All I want to do, he's been talking about serving. They had the serving thing in the back a couple weeks ago. All this other stuff. And churches are filled with Christians who just get their fire insurance, what we used to call it back in the day. Just get your fire insurance, right? You're going to go to heaven smelling like smoke, but hey, at least you're there. But Christ has so much more for us. I have come to give them life and to give them life abundant. And the, the, the Greek word picture is to the hilt, all the way down, the whole thing. And that's being a part of the kingdom of God. There are stats out there, and sometimes, you know, you, you don't know if you can trust the stats, but statistics show that young adults are leaving the church more than ever before. I don't pretend to have the answer, and I don't even know how accurate the stats are. But perhaps... One of the reasons why young adults are leaving the church is because no one has taught them that Christianity is so much more than sitting in these super stylish, fancy chairs we have for an hour plus on Sundays. I've preached this before, I'm going off, but when I was growing up, and it's nothing against any particular teacher or anything else. It's not. When I was growing up, I was a little tyke asking if God is bigger than Superman and stuff like that, apparently. The most, the biggest thing that we were taught as young church boys is to be nice. That was what we were taught. Be nice. Be nice. Don't fight. Don't burp. Don't burp the other way. Chew with your mouth closed. Manners, nice, proper. And that was it. 
taught Bible too, Jesus loves you and everything else, and that's great, and we need that. But the biggest thing is just to focus on being nice. No wrestling. You're not wolves. Long time ago, religion was a matter of life and death. People went to war, died. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go to war, but I'm saying we've taken the claws of the lion of the tribe of Judah and we kind of cut them back a little bit so they're not so offensive. And so we're taught this stuff. And then we grow up learning that all it is is going to a building and listen to some weird guy talking about things in the Bible while sitting in these little fancy chairs or pews. And then we leave, we go home and forget about it. And then we wonder why they take off when they get out on their own. Because they're taught that this is Christianity. This is Christianity right here. This is, what do you want to be? This is Christianity. You go to church, you sit there, you leave. An hour, hour and a half, hour 15, something like that on Sundays, and you're good to go. We see it in the papers. We see it in the TV. We see it on the sitcoms. We see it in the movies. Everybody in America is a Christian as long as you go to church at some point in your life. And no wonder they leave. Because there's no excitement there. There's no reality. Man, people, you know, there's, <laughs> people are dying in other countries. They would love to be able to sit in a nice air-conditioned building with lights that change colors and, you know, speakers and stuff. So what does that look like then? What am I saying? Am I saying that we need to be missionaries and take our kids to the inner cities or over to another country or something like that? No. Am I saying that we need to carry our Bible? We need to get one of those big family Bibles. Remember those back in the day? They're like that thick and that big and you write everything in it. Are we supposed to carry that when we go to Walmart to do our grocery shopping so that everybody knows and we can tell our kid, this is what you do. Carry that Bible. No. Does it mean that we have to shoot for the highest seen position in a church? No. So what does it look like? It's serving in the smallest of ways. Sharing a cup of cold water, Jesus says. It's showing our kids, it's using our talents and our gifts for the kingdom of God, even if it's in the smallest ways that nobody else knows, but our kids see. I preached a sermon, uh, actually a series called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World, and I stole it from from some other person and then just acquired it, made it my own, but preached it. And he, he made a great point. Lessons are taught, or lessons are caught, not taught. Let me say that again. Lessons are caught, not taught. Kids see what we do more than they hear with what we say. I can ask Caleb right now, what did I say five seconds ago? And he's going to give me a blank look. But he sees how I act and react, and it's sad, sorry, sometimes. So it's the smallest of things. It's living the Christian life outside of these four walls so that they can connect the dots that Christianity is not just here. It's offering grace and mercy and forgiveness and love outside of here. And also, a lot of times we need it more inside that stuff. Woo, we love to shoot our wounded. And mothers, you have a huge influence on your kids. Mothers should pray for their children to be in the kingdom of God. You can pray that your children be an active part of the kingdom of God. And lastly, 
I know, I looked at my watch. Sorry, Rick. Mothers can have big expectations for your kids. You can have big expectations for your kids. Not only did Mrs. Zebedee ask that they be a part of the kingdom of God, that they be an active part of the kingdom of God, but she asked that they sit on his right and his left. That's a high expectation. There's a couple things I noticed in this passage, which is why I'm preaching it now and why I want to take a positive aspect on this. And when, when Rick gets to Matthew chapter 20, 10 years from now, he can take the negative aspect and we can talk about the impropriety of it. But now let's take a look at the positive. A couple things I noticed. A few weeks ago, Pastor Rick was talking about how John likes to go around and referring to himself in his gospel, the one who Jesus loved, right? We talked about that. The one who Jesus loved. I am the one. Imagine being in the disciples and we see how they get mad there. Imagine being, I mean, that would be annoying, wouldn't it? You're going around, you're Peter, you're James, there's John, all this. Like, hi, how you doing? My name's Peter. I'm with Christ. Hi, how you doing? I'm my, my name's James. Hi, how you doing? I'm the one whom Jesus loved. Yeah, I know, John. We get it. But he loves all of us too, you know. If you ever wonder where he got that personality trait from, I mean, it could be right here from his mom. His mom's like, no, 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 the right seat. The right seat, Jesus. John, come in. Come in this side right here. There you go. The one whom Jesus loved. And secondly, this is the biggest reason why I'm preaching on this. Notice that Jesus never rebukes her. Do you see that in the passage? He never yells at her. He never says, oh, the impropriety, Mrs. Z. How dare you ask us? He never says anything like that. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't yell at her. He doesn't tell her that she's wrong for asking. He doesn't say anything. All he says is that it's the Father who sets people where they are supposed to be. You can ask the question. He can say yes or no. In fact, when all the others get all ignorant and crabby and start plotting on James and John there at the end of the passage, Jesus senses it and uses it as a teaching opportunity for all of them about humility and serving one another. The point is, and I, I, take, I take this big time of seeing my own life Christians barely make it on the door on Sundays. It's like a giant chore to even do the bare minimum for Christ. Oh, I got to put a shirt on today. And all I have is Harley Davidson shirts. You ever see me in another shirt? I need to go get some more shirts. These are like 10 years old. They're all coming apart at the top. That's all I got. Except work shirts. I have more work clothes than I have clothes clothes. We settle for mediocrity. And I'm here to challenge us to strive to do more. That's all I'm saying. Let's challenge ourselves and our family to live and move with Christ. To not be content with mediocrity but to expect big things from God as we take steps of faith. I heard this a long time ago. One reason why people never see miracles in their lives is because they never do anything that requires a miracle. And I really, really want to preach on the passage of walking on the water, Rick. Because that is an 
excellent passage. He could have stayed in the boat, but he got out. If we want to see something great, then we've got to start striving for that. Not in our own strength, but asking God to see that. Mothers, you should pray that your children be in the kingdom of God. They may be adult, they may be having a rough time right now. We all have seasons. But you pray, and you never stop praying that they be in the kingdom of God. Secondly, mothers can pray that their children be an active part of the, children, uh, of the kingdom of God. They go off to college. It's hard to find a church that you want to go to. But hopefully, we can pray that the Lord will lead them to a church where they can be an active part of that church body. And thirdly, mothers, you can have big expectations for your children. Ask. The Lord can say yes or he can say no, but ask. I'm done. I wanted to be shorter today so that we could all enjoy our Mother's Day. I was going to close with a campy, fictional, cheesy story about how God made a woman and he took this part and this part and he mixed it all together. But it's cheesy and I don't like it. So instead, I'm going to close with a true story that gives me the feels every time I read it. Solomon Rosenberg, his wife, their two sons, and his mother and father were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. It was a labor camp, and the rules were simple. You work, and the, t the, the minute that you can no longer work, you die, right? You're able to work, you're able to live. You're not able to work, you're exterminated. Rosenberg watched his mother and father march off to their deaths, and he knew that next would be his youngest son, David, because he was a frail child. Every evening, Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours and hours of labor, and he would search for the faces of his family. And when he found them, they would huddle together, embrace one another, and thank God for another day of life. One day, Rosenberg came back and didn't see those familiar faces. And he finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, weeping and praying. He said, Josh, tell me it's not true. And Josh said, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. He says, but where is your mother? He says, oh, Papa. When they came for David, he was afraid and he cried. That's where it gets me. Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and she went with him. I'm not asking you to take your hand and go to death. But that's motherhood. She walked with her kid. You can pray that they become part of the kingdom of God. You can pray that they become an active part. You should. You can also pray for big expectations that God will use them in a mighty, mighty way. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the time to be able just to preach a little weird short sermon today. I pray that as we go and we enjoy our Mother's Day lunches and or dinners and flowers, candy, cards, and all the stuff that we get to show our appreciation. Lord, I pray that, that we not forget that you are the creator of woman. 
and that you are the creator of moms. And you've given them, and fathers, but you've given each one a specific personality, a specific thing. And mothers are so needed. And fathers are so needed, especially in our culture today. So I pray for our mothers today that they will pray for their kids or even their church kids. It may not even be a relative, but still we can pray for one another to be an active part, to be an excited part. To, to, Lord, I pray that you'll help us parents or aunts and uncles or grandmas and grandpas or whoever else to show our kids what it's like to be a Christian outside of the safety of these four walls. I know I fail. We're all going to fail to be not. To show that Christianity is a life thing, not just an event at a building on Sundays. And again, I thank you for moms. I thank you for mine who helped me out in so many ways. And I pray you'll bless them all. In Jesus' name, amen. That was good. That was good. What a challenge. Jesus said we have not because we Ask not. A while back, I was going to post something on Facebook. I try not to do that anymore because somebody always wants to argue, but I wanted to post, don't complain on Facebook about anything that you haven't heard about. And so I'm thinking, and I guess the challenge is, are we praying about that? Are we asking God to... to Use them for the kingdom and to raise them up to be men and women of God and change their hearts. Don't you wish, parents, we could change the hearts of our kids sometimes? Why are you so rebellious? Which God says, why are you so rebellious? Like, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about my kids. Praying for the hearts of our kids. God, I can't change them. Only you can. But you ask us, and you tell us in a word to ask. So, great sermon. Never heard a sermon on Mama Z. Two things that came from that in my mind is, number one, Jesus probably didn't rebuke her because he knows you can't win an argument with a mom or just a woman in general. Like, why waste my time? She's just going to go. Eh, eh, eh. But I love this point, and we do. We, we make fun of John a lot because, he, I mean, he's just, he's got a little bit of an ego, right? I mean, anytime, oh, I won the race to the tomb, right? Who, who has to record that? Nobody in the other gospels record that John outran everybody else to the tomb, but he does. And he's the one whom Jesus loves. And as, she, as he's telling that story about Mama Z, here's what I'm thinking. Maybe he keeps referring to himself as the one whom Jesus loves because he remembers that's all he heard growing up is Mama Z going, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You're the one Jesus loves. You're special. Jesus loves you. So maybe he just grew up with that. Maybe that's how he was in elementary school too if they had it in ancient, you know. Hey, I'm the one Jesus loves. <laughs> so I love that. So moms, you have such an... Such an influence and impression. Whatever you want your kids to believe, speak it into their life. All right, and I'm almost full circle here. We, we, we sang a song about speaking the name of Jesus. Speak Jesus into your kids' lives. Pray in Jesus' name over your kids. And let's just see what God does with them. Amen?
Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day. Father, bless them. May they have a wonderful day. Wherever they go, whatever they do, may they feel your peace. May they feel the, the uh, joy of their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.